It's good to see you here today, and we thank you for joining us for our worship, and, and uh, ask those who are watching to stay tuned and uh, listen as we worship the Lord together today. I'm going to venture away from the series that I've been preaching on, and I'm going to venture away for several weeks. I don't know how long right now, because in my heart, God has revealed to me there is something far more urgent than what I've been preaching on. You called me to be your pastor almost 22 years ago, and I got to thinking about it over the past couple of weeks, and especially this week, why did Dalrida Baptist Church call me to be their pastor? And God just kept saying to me, because you were known as a church builder. You were known as someone that went to a smaller church, and God did a work, and you saw people come to faith in Christ. It's because you knew the work of evangelism, and you were in full-time evangelism with your family for the five years prior to coming to be the pastor at Dalreda. And they saw that in you. They saw in you a man who preached the word without compromise. And they wanted someone to come and preach the word, not a social gospel, but the word of God, and to preach it every time you get in the pulpit. I've tried to be true to those things. I believe that's my calling. I believe that's what God even spoke to my heart about when he called me into the ministry to begin with as a 16, 17-year-old boy. And I started preaching at that age in my hometown and the surrounding area. I had a fervency for folks coming to faith in Christ. I was known as one that would witness the gospel. I was known as one that stood on the truth of the gospel, even as an older teenager, I was known as that. And I've tried to stay true to that, to that through the years in my ministry and my life. But as I looked at what we have done over the past 15 months, it seems to me that we've lost our focus. It seems to me, and I'm not blaming anybody, I'm not saying that anybody has done this purposefully, but because of what's happened in our world, in our country, in our state, in our community. We have lost our focus of doing the work that God put this church here to do when he founded it here in 1941. This church has been faithful to reach the lost, to reach the communities through all of these years. This church has been known as one that stood on the truth of the gospel and did not get wrapped up in all political things and all other kind of things in the community and throughout even the Southern Baptist Convention. But we stayed true to God's calling to teach, to preach, to live the word every day in our lives. But yet we've sort of gotten our eyes off of those things. And the main thing is we have taken our eyes off of the work of evangelism. I want to talk to you about the post-COVID-19 urgency of evangelism. I want you to listen closely today. I want you to follow with me. I want you to take to heart everything I say to you because it's coming from the Word of God and should speak to all of our hearts. I want to begin by reading a passage out of Ezekiel chapter 3, verses 18 and 19. You'll be very familiar with it. Ezekiel chapter 3, verses 18 and 19. When I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning, 
nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked ways to save his life, that same wicked person will die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at your hand. Yet if you warn the wicked and he does not turn from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you will have delivered your soul. And then in Matthew chapter 28, the Lord Jesus is talking in verses 18 through 20, and you'll remember this passage well. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. There is a biblical call to the work of evangelism. There is a biblical call, a mandate to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to be a witness, to be a strong witness, to have a passion for lost souls in the community where we live to begin with and outside of our community and around the world. There is to be a passion in the heart and the lives of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ for those who have never come to faith in Jesus. Everything we should, that we do should be for the express purpose of reaching the unsaved with the gospel. Even the recent remodeling and repairs of the buildings was that this church may be around as a strong witness to this community for a long time to come. We are to reach the unsaved and we're to make disciples out of those that have been reached and equip them so that they too may do the work of evangelism by sharing Jesus with those around them. The first work and priority of the local church and for each Christian should be sharing the gospel of Jesus in order that the lost may come to faith in him. There is an urgency about evangelism but I'm afraid we've lost our sense of urgency. I'm afraid we've lost our compassion and our passion to reach those that we ought to have compassion for, that they are lost and bound for hell. There is an urgency. It is the work of the church. It is the mission of the church, undeniably taught by Jesus himself. We have made the work of the church our assembly. We seemingly have made the church, work of the church our fellowship, our comfort. But that is the privilege of the church, not the primary mission of the church. I truly believe that we've lost our urgency, starting with the pastor and staff and all the way down to the smallest child in our church. I believe we have failed in teaching and motivating and we've lost our passion for sharing the gospel and seeing folks come to faith in Christ. There is an urgency that we get back to doing that. These past 15 months, we've become so anxious about getting back together with each other, 
that even when it's afforded, we still don't have some to come. But we have been so anxious about that that we've seemingly lost our passion to bring others to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that they may be a part of the kingdom of God and in fellowship with the local church, the redeemed, the church of Jesus Christ. This morning, the message is one of urgency that I'm detouring away from our study, as I mentioned earlier, of the study of shadows of Christ in the Old Testament. I'm preaching to the church concerning our main work, according to Jesus himself. I'm afraid we're like the old farmer who decided to build more and bigger barns to store more for himself. We have become so inwardly focused, I'm afraid we have, that we have reached fewer through salvation than in any of the recent previous years in the history of our church and in the history of my ministry. And I'm sickened about it. Not about you, but about me. I'm concerned that we seem to have gotten so wrapped up in other things that we have forgotten that our call, our mission, our commission, if you would, is to tell the lost about Jesus. The urgency is revealed in the primary reason that Jesus came. His number one priority. The main purpose in coming was not to heal, not to teach, and certainly not to philosophize. He came to die on the cross for the sins of the world because there was a creation before, uh, before there was a creation, I mean, before there was a creation, before the fall of mankind, the Bible declares that he was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world, already purposed in the heart of God that Jesus, the Son of God, would come and go to the cross to redeem a lost world, that man would choose to sin, man would fall from that place where he was created and would be in need of a redeemer. And that was God's primary reason for sending Jesus, clearly seen through the words of Jesus himself. Listen to what he says, I have come to seek and to save the lost. He said, I have come that they might have life, and have it more abundantly. And he commands the church to go into all the world, as we read a few minutes ago out of the gospel according to Matthew. We're to go into all the world and teach them, tell them the truth, teach them how to be followers of Christ, and reach them with the gospel of Jesus. There is an urgency for evangelism because it is the reason Jesus came. Do we understand that? The reason he came. He is named Savior. He's called the Redeemer. He's called the Lord. And only through salvation does one come to know him in any of those truths. Through them coming to know him as Christ. Is an urgency revealed in the primary reason that Jesus came. It's urgent because of the devastation caused by sin. I joined Brother Johnny as he prayed today. Johnny, thank you for such a heartfelt prayer. Thank you for truth in your prayer and calling out to a holy God as you did. 
And as I listened to him, I, I thought about that. There's an urgency because of sin, the devastation that sin has caused in our lives and in our community, in our families, and in our world. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Taught in the Scriptures, just as we have been made aware through the escalation of violence in our community and the hate crimes, we're in need of a spiritual awakening in Montgomery, Alabama. Let me tell you, all the protests in the world will not change it. All the police officers that we could hire all over the states and bring them here would not change that. What will change it is the heart of mankind being changed by the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to be about that message. I want you to know the culture that our children and grandchildren will live in if we don't reach our community with the gospel is simply not acceptable to one person in this room. Matter of fact, it's not even acceptable to those who have never come to faith in Christ. What our children and grandchildren will live in if we don't make the difference and it will be held to our char charge according to the word of God as told in Ezekiel. It will be held our responsibility if we fail to warn them and reach them with the good news of Jesus. I want you to know this is not a message of anger. It is with the purpose, it's not with the purpose of stirring up some kind of protest or political movement, far be it from me, but rather a call for Dalreda Baptist Church, the only group I have any influence whatsoever with. It is a call for Dalreda Baptist Church to get back to the main work of the church, and that is teaching folks about Jesus and leading them to faith in Christ. We must not be ashamed of the gospel. We must not be silent anymore. We talk about we need to speak up and make a stand. Let me tell you what we need to make a stand on, and that is Jesus is Lord. We need to make a stand on that he came and died on the cross for all, that they might be saved if they would turn to him and believe on him, and they might have everlasting life. That's what we need to make a stand on. That's what we need to be shouting about, not protesting things that are going on, but changing things that are going on through changed hearts and lives that come to faith in Jesus. I believe that. Thirdly, it's urgent because it is the only hope for any individual. Do you understand? I think you do that any individual is spiritually dead outside of Christ. Regardless of how good a life they live, regardless of how many kind things they do, regardless of what other religion they may belong to, they are spiritually dead outside of Jesus because only Jesus gives life. Only faith in the Lord Jesus Christ resurrects one who is dead in trespasses and sin and brings them into the life of the, of the God who loves them and cares about them. Life is found only in Jesus. Man has a thirst that cannot be met by any other. Jesus told the woman of Samaria, woman, if you only understood who I am, you would ask of me and I'd give you water where you would never 
thirst again. Listen, only Jesus can satisfy the longing of a person's heart, the longing of a soul that is outside of him, the longing to know something better and to live better and to have peace and joy and contentment and for there to be goodness in their heart and their life. Only Jesus can supply those things in any person. You see, unsaved people are bound for hell. The son would say to me, preacher, I don't like it when you say hell. I don't like hell either. That's the reason I'm glad I'm not going there. I don't like it when you say hell. It scares folks. Let me tell you what. If I could scare somebody bad enough that they'd get out of hell and come to heaven, it'd be worth it. But you can't scare folks out of hell. If you know a bridge is out, and flag down a speeding driver to warn, warn him, is that a scare tactic? The bridge is out. No, no, stop and turn around. Is that a scare tactic or is that a life-saving move? When you warn folks about impending doom, when you warn folks about a place called hell where all who never repent and come to faith in Christ will spend an eternity that's not a message of fear. That's not a message of causing them to get disturbed. It is a message of hope that you can be delivered from that. You don't have to go. You can come to Jesus. Hell is a real place where real people are going who are never confronted with the truth about Jesus. It's where people are going who have never been confronted with the truth about Jesus. And all over this city, there are people who have never been confronted about Jesus. All you got to do is listen to what folks say. All you got to do is look at attitudes. All you got to do is see what's going on and realize nobody has ever confronted them about Jesus and what he's done for them and that that awaits those who never come to faith in him. Hell is a real place. There's an urgency to tell them that they're headed for hell and it's our duty to warn them as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you quickly just a few facts about hell and I'm not going to keep you long. I want you to know, first of all, hell is real. Say, preacher, how do you know that? Because Jesus said it is. Jesus said hell is real. Matter of fact, did you know that Jesus did more talking and warning about a place called hell than he ever talked about the glory of a place called heaven? He talked more about hell in his earthly ministry than he talked about heaven. He did more of warning folks to repent and to believe and reaching out to the lost, the dying, that they might be saved. He did that more than ever, talking about the glories awaiting those who did believe. For Jesus had a heart and an understanding that this human race is lost. It is separated from a holy God, caused by the choice of our forefather and foremother, and it's been passed down from generation after generation to generation. 
And the Bible clearly says, in that one has sinned, all have sinned. And it's been passed on every generation. And everybody, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone is guilty of sin. Everyone is in need of forgiveness. Everyone is in need of escape of that that awaits those who are, are sinners. And that place is called hell. Jesus says it's real. It's the place of torment. Well, say, preacher, how do you know that? Jesus said it was. Jesus said it's a place of torment. I, I don't have the time, and I don't think you want to hear what the Scripture, what Jesus said himself about the torments of hell. I mean, he gives such a description that'll make you cringe even if you're saved. He gives such an awful description, and we just seem to skip over those things. We just want to talk about the meek and mild and lowly Jesus. Let me tell you what, the meek and mild and lowly Jesus came and brought a message of repentance, a message of turning from sin. And if the message included those who do not turn from sin, will spend an eternity in a place called hell. And it is the, it is the mission of the church. It is the mission of Dalreda Baptist Church to tell everybody in this community to begin with that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that he died on the cross for their sins, and they have to admit they're a sinner and come to faith in Christ. It is a place of torment. Let me tell you the third thing. It is a place that lasts forever. How do you know that? Jesus said it is. A place that lasts forever. It is an ever-suffering place that has no end. Let me tell you the fourth thing. Hell has no escape. After death. Hell has no escape after death. Once one is incarcerated there, that one is incarcerated in hell for eternity. Now let me tell you something. I find no pleasure in that. I find no satisfaction in that truth. Matter of fact, I find a horror in that truth to know that our neighbors our fellow citizens all around us are acting like they act because they've never come to Jesus. Do you understand that? They're just acting just like their father. They're acting just like those that live around them. But they're acting just like the one who has control of them because they've never given control of their life to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is a place of no escape. Everyone, 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 every person, every man, woman, boy, or girl, small child who does not hear the gospel and reach with the truth of the gospel is going to spend an eternity in hell unless they believe and are saved. We need to do something about it. Could I get an amen? Well, that sure was. We, we need to do something about it. It is our responsibility. It's not something I'm laying on you. Jesus fully laid it on us already. It's not something that I've made up. It's not something that I, I just want to preach today. 
I'm telling you, it's something that Jesus told us we need to be well aware of and that he gave us a responsibility to reach the world for Jesus. So what are you going to do about it, preacher? Well, I'm going to do a simple series, mini-series, right in the middle of my interruption of this long series of Shadows of Christ in the Old Testament. I'm going to do a mini-series, and it's going to be so easy. You're going to say, I can't believe this is all he's doing today. Well, you can believe it. That's all I'm doing today. I'm going to walk through the faith outline over the next few weeks. I'm going to walk through it right here in this pulpit with you present. I'm going to start with F of faith. Then we're going to do A. And then we're going to I and do T and do H. And I'm going to ask you to take notes as I give it to you. So come prepared next Sunday to take some notes so that you'll know the presentation of the faith outline without having to go through some class. I'm just going to walk through it and help you have an understanding of what each one of those letters stand for and, and what that faith outline means. And we're going to talk about it. And we're going to have a prayer in every service for our reaching this community and this city with the gospel of Jesus. We're not going to stand alone. I believe with all of our heart that I have not talked to another pastor. I'm telling you the truth. I believe with all of my heart that God didn't just plant this on the heart of Rick Evans. I believe we'll find that there are preachers all over this city today that have come to grips with this truth and are telling their church similarly as I'm talking to you about our work of reaching this city. And we're going to join with those others. I mean, we're not going to a meeting with all of them. The church meets itself to death. We're not going to go meeting with some of them. We are just going to join them in doing the work. And we're going to become a soul-winning church again. We're going to see people come to faith in Christ. We're going to stir the baptistry waters over and over and over again. We're going to see God add to his church. We're going to put them in a Sunday school class and teach them the word after they come to faith in Christ. We're going to disciple them and help them to grow and put them in places of ministry. We're going to do the work that we have done in days past, and it's time to put the things of COVID-19 behind us and be the church of the Lord Jesus Christ without fear, without any kind of scare, but to do it knowing he will provide and we will reach the world for Jesus. I believe that. I want to help you learn how to share your faith without being confrontational. There's no sense in the gospel being hateful and confrontational. There's no, no reason for you to try to tell somebody about Jesus and they walk away and you just say, well, just go to hell if you want to. There's no reason for that. It's not about you. It's about Jesus and his compassion and his love for them, and his sacrifice that they might be saved. You just watch Jesus with the rich young ruler. He came to Jesus, and he wanted to know what he could do to have eternal life, you know. And Jesus said, well, just take everything you got, sell it, and give it to the poor. And he didn't hear Jesus out. He didn't listen any further than that. He turned around and walked away. And you know what Jesus did? Jesus said, oh, I'm sorry, man. Wait, wait a minute. Come back. Let me, let me talk to you a little bit more. Is that what Jesus did? No, the Bible says Jesus beheld him and loved him, but he didn't lift one finger and did not say one other word 
when the man made his choice to go his own way. See, that's your responsibility. It's not to respond to folks in the, a, a negative kind of way if they don't believe or they don't think there's any such person's ever been named, named Jesus or they don't think the gospel is true. It's not ours to retaliate. It's not for us to be offended. If you're offended, it's the offense of the Lord Jesus Christ and you take it in love and care. I'm going to teach you how to share your faith without being confrontational and to do a genuinely good job of showing that we care for the eternal souls of those around us. Next Sunday morning, I haven't worked out the details yet, but next Sunday morning, I know it's Vacation Bible School commencement, but what better time to do it there's going to be a live presentation of the gospel through sharing faith right here on this platform. Just walking through it and just trusting that God uses that for someone to come to faith in Christ. I'm looking forward to what we're going to see happen. You say, well, preacher, that, that's some easy preaching for you. No, i got to fill in. <laughs> I can't just say faith. Uh, stands for forgiveness, and that's it. I got to fill in. I, I got to have a message to go about forgiveness and what it's about and, and help us grow and understand these things as we look at them. And ask God to use us in sharing the gospel with our friends and neighbors, with our strangers around us, that they may come to faith in Christ without being confrontational. Let me tell you, in today's world, you better not be too confrontational. You better be loving and kind and considerate. And that's what we plan to do. I'm going to put you on the spot big time. If I had cameras in your home, I would... Uh, be looking at you too on Facebook. I'm going to ask you if you're at home participating or you're here in the building. If you can say, Pastor, I believe you've told us the truth today. I believe that it is the mission of the church to share the good news of Jesus with everyone we can. I do believe that's our responsibility. And I do believe that our town our town needs the gospel presented more than I've ever seen before. If you agree with what I've shared with you today, would you just stand to your feet? It's unanimous at home and at church. The question is, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it in the days to come? Are we going to say, well, that was a good little sermon. We'll go back next Sunday and hear what he has to say. Are you going to say, God, I want to be a part of people coming to faith in Christ. Lord Jesus, in this room, there's a large enough army of 
conquer this community with the gospel. May we be found faithful. May we put the main thing the main thing. Lord, may we follow you and trust you that it will not return to you void when we share your word, the truth about Jesus. Lord, use us for your glory. If there's someone in this church today, in this building, that needs to be, be a come, become a part of this church family, to stand with us and say, we want to plant our life in a church that believes this and preaches this, and we want to be a part of what God's going to do. Lord, I pray that they'd come forward in invitation time, respond, become a part of this church family. Lord, if they want to do it another way, there are a lot of ways, I know. They can call the church office, they can come see me. They can meet the staff in a couple of weeks after service. and They can join our church then. But Lord, mainly, if there's one person in this place who does not know Jesus as Lord and Savior, may this be the moment. Help them, Lord, just to step out of the aisle, come to the front, and I will patiently tell them how they can come to know him and be saved. Have your way in Jesus' name.